Hey everyone, Dave Dubow here with another episode of the Property Profits Real Estate Podcast. Today, zooming in all the way from beautiful Vancouver, British Columbia, we got a fine young real estate entrepreneur, Doug Myers. How are you doing today, Doug? Doing good, Dave. Thanks for having me on the show here. I really appreciate it. Well, we're kind of having fun here because I we just wrapped up me being interviewed by you on your podcast, and that's mm-hmm. how I kind of first heard about you. You've taken over the the Revenue Podcast, and that's cool because. Revenue used to be run by my friend, Julie Broad, and you guys have taken up the helm of this. So I'm really appreciative of that because there's so much great, great information and training there with revenue. So thanks for doing what you're doing. You're welcome. It's a journey in progress. We're looking forward to seeing what comes out of it. So yeah, 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 yeah. fun stuff. So Doug, let's talk a little bit. You've got a really, you're a young guy, but you've packed a lot in and in a few years, I love what you're doing with real estate investing. I love your backstory because you're one of those smart guys. Like, like I went to university as I was telling you, and, and I got a useless degree in psychology. In fact, that you know, you're an engineer. The engineer used to make fun of us and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> you went to school, you got a very useful degree as a mining engineer. And a lot of people think, well, geez, that's a dream job because that's a if I understand correctly, it's a fairly high-paying job. But a few years ago, you walked away from all of that to focus on real estate investing full time. But here's what I love about it is you skipped the 20 to 30 year process most people take to get to that realization. Like you realize that fairly early on. So why don't you just tell us a little bit about how all that came to be? Yeah, well, I guess first First and foremost, thanks for for the compliment. In in some ways, yeah, I, I guess a lot of a lot of people maybe take some time to to get to those realizations. So hopefully, maybe me talking about it will you know helpful for for some people. It's ironic that you say the the psychology. Like I actually started off in psychology as well. I played basketball at the time, and it just you know it chimed together. But I didn't see myself doing eight years of schooling in order to have practical psychology degree. I guess it were. But there's a lot more girls. You employable, something yeah. you can get a job with. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, but there, there's a lot more girls in psychology than there is in engineering. So you got to weigh those two options. I'm sure you you probably noticed. But yeah, graduated with a mining engineering degree in 2015, and looking back on it, I didn't pay attention to a lot of the signs of me not being really, you know, interested in in the profession, as it were. You know, I w- I was drawn to it for a couple of reasons that you spoke about. One was, yes, you get paid really well and you have a really applicable job, right? It's not like coming out with an arts degree where you've got to maybe fight and, and claw or or even in the business degree, right? You got to fight and claw for your first position. And, and at that, you, you step in. And I mean, I heard my friends with business degrees were coming out making 40 grand a year. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well... <laughs> You know, I was making 40 grand as a summer student, like, you know, this, and I don't say that to be cocky. I'm just saying that is kind of the benchmark at, in some of these mining jobs, but you trade that financial gain as it were for the lifestyle that comes with it, which at first was fine for me. I loved working two weeks on two weeks off a uh, week on week off. Didn't want to have the Monday to Friday schedule. Unfortunately, at the same time, unless you want to work in a corporate downtown environment, which I did not, you have to leave your home city. You have to leave certain places and go work in the small town, you know, the 10,000, the 3,000, the 1,000 people towns. 
And it was when I got to Saskatchewan and I'm living in a small, small town there that these voices kind of started to come up in my head and, you know, just asking the question, Hey, is, is this it? Is this it to live in this small town, to have a completely different lifestyle, to make a good amount of money, but not really feel like you're having a strong impact or feel like you're not doing the right thing. And when I kind of came to that realization around, you know, 24, 25 years old, that's when my journey in real estate investing went from a kind of hobby or a just something that was going on in the background to, okay, wait, there are people who are building businesses out of this. Great. Let's go attack that. All right. So how long were you punching the clock as a mining engineer? I did that for officially three and a half years. Okay. So you moved in pretty quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. So I found it very interesting when we were having our offline conversation, how you got started with real estate investing and buying properties in these different small towns that you lived in. So walk me through that. I find that fascinating. Yeah. You know, I started investing in 2013 in Prince George in British Columbia. I would hesitate to call it a small town to say the places that I've invested are not exactly small towns, but you are 100% right. I've invested in just about every place that I've lived and had a job as a mining engineer. Did it for a couple of different reasons. One, price points, right? In 2013, when I started, 21 years old, I was a student at school and I had used the money that I had saved up from these co-op jobs where you, you did get paid well to be a mining student to afford down payments. Like, you know, and here I thought, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go buy a house in Vancouver. Well, you know, $700,000 later for a non-cash flowing suited house. I was like, okay, this plan doesn't work. So I just kept going further north till I could go to a place where I could afford it. Mm-hmm. So I worked my way, you know, Kelowna, Kamloops, those weren't options for me at the time. And then Prince George, it was like, well, wait a second, we can buy a duplex for $200,000 and it can cash flow 300 bucks a month. That's not bad. <laughs> I got the down payment for that. Let's go do it. And so, yeah, at that point, you know, no education on the real estate subject. I just knew I had an interest in doing it from some previous influences in my life. And so I went about just trying to figure out what I needed to account for. You know, I needed to account for mortgage, property taxes, utilities, insurance, property management, and just put it all together. Prince George was the market because I was close to there. Mm -hmm. I was living there and I needed, because I'm one of these kind of analysis paralysis guys, at least in the beginning, I needed to tangibly go to the place, look at it and be like, okay, I'm not going to mess this one up first because this is my prototype for hopefully scaling up and doing this in other places. So were you living in the properties yourself as well when you bought them? Because you're working in in the area, no? No, 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 I wasn't. I've only ever lived in one of my investments. That was in Regina. That was the third property I bought. And I only lived there because it was three units and uh, I house hacked. (laughs) And so like, it just made sense, you know, having a house as a liability doesn't make sense to me. It needs to be some sort of asset. So that means I've got to have money in it that's actually working so that it's cash flowing, even if I'm going to live there. So I was able to accomplish that in Regina with my third property. So um, so let's so you start out in Prince George, you bought a duplex, yep. uptown duplex, and you started just renting that off. Yeah. What was the next town and the next property that you that you purchased? Kind of follow. Yeah. Up. The next one was actually a pre-construction condo. 
my brother and I, the reason why I went into mining engineering was because of my brother. He laid the foundation for it. He said, yeah, I'm doing this. Here's where I'm getting paid. I was like, great. That works. Let's do it. <laughs> Didn't think anything else of it, which of course, you know, to the early part of the conversation, you know, eventually I came to realize that, Hey, maybe that's not the best choice for me, but it did set me up to do a lot of things, you know, to be able to invest in my own properties and to be able to have someone like my brother, who at this point is my biggest investor, my biggest lender, because he's stuck with the mining engineer. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I know behind the scenes of what's involved there from a financial standpoint. Yeah. So, yeah, we joint ventured on a pre-construction condo in the downtown of Surrey before downtown Surrey decided, hey, we're going to rival Vancouver in 20 years. Right. And so, again, just kind of looked at that situation and said, hey, Mike, you know, why don't we uh, let's buy a property here. It's going to be ready in three years. The reason why we're doing this is because we want to always have a place in Vancouver to live should anything happen in our lives that we need a place, we'll have one. Nice. And that that was just the intent. Behind the scenes, I was like, hey, Mike, in four years, if we buy this, it's going to be worth 100 grand more. We're going to use that to go, go buy other money, uh, other properties. And that's exactly what happened. But yeah, that was the second deal. Third deal is that triplex in Regina. And at that point, this is 2017, I'm starting to look at real estate as, okay, now I've done this three times. What if I was able to do this refinance thing on a bigger scale. I could snowball this. And in three, five years, I've got enough passive income to leave my job. And at that point, that's when I was like, okay, it's time to start exploring this with a little bit more intensity. So then how did you, because that's what you've done. So how have you been able to accomplish that in relatively speaking, a, a pretty short period of time and with without having hundreds of doors in your portfolio, because you've got a nice portfolio and it's growing, but it's not, mm -hmm. you didn't run out and buy 200 unit apartment building. So well, yeah. 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 Well, I set a goal. Uh, a first thing I did was actually I got educated and you can choose just for anybody out there who's watching or listening to this, you know, choose whatever aligns with you. Some people need a kick in the ass and they need to spend $20,000 on a program. That's what I needed to do. I needed to make this large financial contribution to say to myself, okay, you better do something with this because that's a car that you just purchased. And that's when I, you know, you're switching from, from your mindset of consumer to investor in some senses, it's hard to look at that purchase and justify it, but it lit enough of a fire in me to be like, okay, I got to make something of this because there's some serious money on the line hmm. from there. Yeah. just dove into the education, right? I'd, I'd already done some of this stuff. So I had the I don't know, the hard knowledge of having done it before, but now it was like, okay, here's why you do this. And here's some things you could do here. And here's some things that you could do to go purchase more property. You know, learning about joint ventures, learning about private lending and, and borrowing, learning how to create a deal as opposed to just going on the MLS and, and hoping to find something. That's what I did, right? We, uh, I doubled the portfolio within a matter of a year. That was my goal. So I went from three to six properties did it in a variety of ways. The first one was refinancing that initial pre-construction condo we bought because it did go up a hundred grand in value. So we pulled that money out. We went and bought a duplex in Prince George, which was actually literally the property next door 
to my first property. Yeah. So I just remember taking this photo and being like, I'm playing real life monopoly. You know, <laughs> you buy two properties together, the rents go up, right? Well, in reality, it doesn't work that way, but the concept was still fun. So that was the fourth property. Fifth property, you know, brought some joint venture money together. My dad, I, I brought him into a deal, found another partner out of Ontario to, to qualify for a mortgage. I would go and, and manage and work the property. And so we created this three-way deal on a cash flowing triplex in Calgary, which is an area that I was in at the time. And then I bought another condo in Calgary. This is where I, the creative deal came in, needed to be completely renovated. The owners were done. They didn't want to deal with it anymore. So, you know, bought a condo, 80 cents on the dollar type thing, fixed it up, elevated the value paid back my private lender on that one because I bought the whole thing with private money and boom, there was my, my goal. And yeah, I mean, at that point I'm, I'm, I'm saying, well, shoot, I'm probably two properties away and an ability to create more of an income stream out of this from walking away from the job. So, so that's, that brings up a, an interesting question in my mind. And that is, You've got all these different properties in all these different towns, some in cities, some in smaller towns. What are some of your tips and, and suggestions for finding good property management? Yeah, well, it can, it can be a challenge. There's, there's no doubt about that. There's some trial and error in it, for sure. Uh, in Prince George, I went through two property managers in my first you know, three years of operating. Yeah. It's weird when you're a 22 year old kid and you walk into your property and you're telling your 50 year old property manager that they're, you know, it's like, how can you, <laughs> yeah, like, I, I, how do you fire someone who's twice your age? Right. <laughs> like, it's just a weird spot to be in. But, you know, I, I found a good property manager in Prince George. Honestly, I think if I had that property manager everywhere, my life would be a lot easier. When I lived in the cities, I would manage them myself simply because I was there. And as a result of that, I created a lot of just good connections. So for me, I'm still at a point where I do pick up the phone for some of the properties, for some of the property management issues, because I have the connections within these cities to be able to go, okay, yeah, I don't mind picking up the phone for that. You know, here's my tech guy, or here's my handyman guy to go do this. But really it's about finding, for me, it's been about finding people to help do the things that I can't do physically. So it's finding tenants. For me personally, I don't have a problem, you know, with the afar management of taking calls and all those kinds of things. But when it comes to doing a move out inspection or a move in inspection and doing showings, that's where for me, it's about establishing a relationship with somebody who can do those activities, paying them to do so. And then they come into my loop. It highlights, Dave, the importance of having good properties in good areas so that you can have less of the, the people issues with potentially problematic tenants. Highlights the importance of screening and vetting tenants when they come into your property. And I think it highlights the importance of just having really good communication. And I'm not perfect at it by no means, but having good communication with your tenants where you know something's going wrong, you're very civil in how you communicate, you're very fair. And I think that alleviates a lot of the problems that are otherwise caused by being a manager from afar. Right. So that's kind of my two cents on that. I love it. All right. Well, Doug, time flies when we're having fun. So if people want to find out more about you and, and what you're up to, what would you have them do? 
Yeah, they can check out our, our website online. I mean, with me, I would I would say we're best reached through the, the Revenue brand. I'm, I'm one of the partners with Revenue with Real Estate. So you can find us online, www.revenue.com. It's R-E-V-N-Y-O-U.com. If you want to reach me by email there, it's just Doug at Revenue.com. So that's the best place. And yeah, you know, appreciate having you, or pardon me, I appreciate being on, on your podcast. Usually I'm the other I way. I guess confusing when we do back then. It does. It does a little bit, but yeah, I, I just appreciate it. I hope what I've been able to say here and share. Right, good. Helpful good, good, good stuff. Awesome. All right. Thank you very much, Doug. I appreciate it. And everybody, thank you for tuning in and we'll see you on the next episode. Take care. Well, hey there. Thanks for tuning into the Property Profits podcast. If you like this episode, that's great. Please go ahead and subscribe on iTunes, give us a good review. That'd be awesome. I appreciate that. And if you're looking to attract investors and raise capital for your deals, then I'm going to invite you to get a complimentary copy of my newest book right back there. There it is. The Money Partner Formula. You can get a PDF version at InvestorAttractionBook.com. Again, InvestorAttractionBook.com. Take care.